Good day to you, friends. Uh, and as we continue in our audio Bible studies, thank you so much for being part of this ministry. Today we're going to have a look at um, part of Job again, just trying to fill in a few of the gaps um, between our weekly sermons. And um, I'm going to start today by reading a part of Job 37, which I want to do almost like a prayer. Um, these are the words of Elihu as he speaks to Job. And so as we kind of settling into our Bible study today, I invite you to listen to these words. Uh, you're welcome to read them also, like I say, Job 37, and then, um, and then we'll share in some thoughts um, around our theme for today. So this is how it starts from verse 14. Listen, Job, stop and consider the wonderful miracles of God. Do you know how God controls the storm and causes the lightning to flash forth from his clouds? Do you understand how he balances the clouds with wonderful perfection and skill? When you are sweltering in your clothes and the south wind dies down and everything is still, he makes the skies reflect the heat like a giant mirror. Can you do that? You think you know so much. So teach the rest of us what to say to God. We are too ignorant to make our own arguments. Should God be told that I want to speak? Can we speak when we are confused? We cannot look at the sun, for it shines brightly in the sky when the wind clears away the clouds. Golden splendor comes from the mountain of God. He is clothed in dazzling splendor. We cannot imagine the power of the Almighty, yet he is so just and merciful that he does not oppress us. No wonder people everywhere fear him. People who are truly wise show him reverence. These words um, take us to a very poignant part in our series in Job, because from this Sunday and next week, we will reflect on how God eventually speaks and responds to all of the questions that Job and his three friends have been, been discussing. But today what I want to do um, speak about is how it seems to me that, that these couple of chapters um, in, in the end of Job, where we hear the voice of Elihu, it's from chapter 32 to, to the end of 37, which I've just read, um, they, they seem to be a, a bridge between the ongoing speeches and arguments of Job and his friends to eventually when we hear the voice of God. Um, and I'm just wondering, and I'm sharing some thoughts today, um, about the possibility of, of these chapters being, like I say, a bridge. It's almost that, that after all the arguments and speeches of Job and his friends, that it seemed um, almost irreverent to suddenly just jump in with, with God answering. It's almost like we needed... Um, a master of ceremonies or a mediator to come in between them um, and to to bring us, lead us into the final conclusion, which would be the voice of God. And it's interesting if you look at that word mediator. Um, for most of us, we understand the role of a mediator is somebody who tries to broker peace between uh, two parties um, a mediator can also be described as a go-between, somebody who hasn't really um, got a vested interest in, in either party per se, but is able to, to bring about a, a resolution, a peacemaker of sorts. 
Um, and even in, in modern society, mediators have become very, very important in trying to, to resolve conflict. In Job chapter 9, verse 33 and 34, Job actually cried out for a mediator. Let me read that for you. It says, um, if only there were a mediator between us, someone who could bring us together, the mediator could make God stop beating me and I would no longer live in the terror of his punishment. And so those are the words of Job and, and uh, we, we find this voice of the young man Elihu coming in to almost be that, that mediator. He speaks directly to Job um, and you can read that in in chapter 32 and 33, he also speaks to um, the three friends and, and he tries to bring this, this resolution between them, but he also prepares the way for the voice of God. Um, as, as you read those four or five chapters, you will see that, that Elihu also doesn't try, well, in my opinion, doesn't try and, and give neat answers to some of the questions that Job and his friends have been saying, but rather he reminds them of, of God's ultimate power and authority. Um, certainly in, in chapter 35, he reminds Job of God's justice, um, and then in chapter 36 reminds them of, of God's ultimate power. And if you look at the language that he uses there, um, you'll see exactly what he means. It's, it's, it's quite obvious when we read through it that he uses creation, particularly thunder and lightning and clouds and sun and, and light, uh, lightning bolts and all those kind of things. He uses that to, to relate to the power of God. Um, and in the, in the ancient times, you know, many people saw God being revealed in, in natural events and, and in, in creation. So it's not, it's not surprising that Elihu does that. But in those questions that he asks now in, in chapter 37, you know, he basically says to Job, you know, Job, do you or do any of us actually have the power to control a storm? Or do we um, send the lightning from the clouds? Are we able to look into the sun and, and actually know its, its strength and its power? No, we don't have that. So in a way, what he's trying to do, um, I, I think, is is prepare them for God's ultimate answer, but also in a very, very clear way to say to, to Job, Elipaz, Bildad, and Zophar, look, there are some things um, about God and about the world and about life that we will never have a, a suitable answer for. But we have to look at the character of God. I think that's the, the, the main thing. Look at who God is. Is God just? Yes, he is. Is God powerful? Yes, he is. Is God mighty? Is he loving? Is he compassionate? All of those things that, that don't give the answer we expect about, you know, why do bad things happen to good people? But they bring us to a place, shall I say, a resting place of, of contentment and peace where we just say, Lord, I don't understand but I need to lean into you. I need to lean into you because then when I go through the storm and the whirlwind, then I can at least know that you are with me in this. Um, and that's what we will touch on a little bit this, this coming Sunday. It's interesting also that this idea of a mediator, I just want to come back to that for today, um, is clearly in the New Testament. 
in Paul's letter to Timothy, 1 Timothy 2, verse 5, he says this, For there is one God and one mediator who can reconcile God and humanity. That is the man, Christ Jesus. And again, in Hebrews, Hebrews actually mentions this idea of a mediator a number of times. And I'll, and I'll come to those readings um, in a second. But when we kind of look forward into the New Testament, we see that Jesus plays this role of the go-between or the mediator um, perfectly. You, you have the scene, and just kind of picture the scene. You have God on the one hand, um, divine, holy, pure, perfect, and then you have humanity uh, full of sin, uh, full of strife, suffering, full of all of our own ideas, and there is this chasm between us. I mean, it's a very common image, but there's this chasm between us. And no matter how hard people try to be like God or to try and be um, faithful and obedient to God, humanity keeps messing up. And so there, there needs to be someone who's a go-between, somebody who can bring us together with God again. And that's the role that Jesus plays. He is the mediator. Um, in fact, we speak about Jesus as being a high priest. Hebrews, actually, chapter 4 speaks about that. And that was the role um, of the priest, is the one who, who speaks to God or goes to God on behalf of the people and then takes the message from God and then takes that message back to the people. So the priest played the role of the go-between. Even the high priest, when he entered into the Holy of Holies on the Day of Atonement, you know, to, to make sure that the blood was offered as the perfect sacrifice. You know, the priest did that on behalf of the people, the mediator, if you like. If you, if you look at the other readings from Hebrews, I'll, I'll read them for us, and, and you could um, perhaps read around them if you wanted to. So I'm just going to read the actual verse. Hebrews 8, verse 6 says, But in fact, the ministry Jesus has received is as superior to theirs as the covenant of which he is mediator is also superior to the old one, since the old covenant is established on better promises. So you see there the word mediator is, uh, is mentioned there. And then Hebrews 9 verse 15, For this reason Christ is the mediator of a new covenant, that those who are called may receive the promised eternal inheritance, now that he has died as a ransom to set them free from the sins committed under the first covenant. And then we will go to Hebrews chapter 12, and that's from verse 24. Uh, I'm going to just turn there also so we can, we can read that together. So if you look at the book of Hebrews chapter 12, um, and I'm going to, to read 24, but we may read a verse or two around that. So verse 24 says, You have come to Jesus, the one who mediates the new covenant between God and people, and to the sprinkled blood which graciously forgives, instead of crying out for vengeance, as the blood of Abel did. If you carry on, verse 25, See to it that you obey God, the one who is speaking to you. For if the people of Israel did not escape when they refused to listen to Moses, the earthly messenger, 
how terrible our danger if we reject the one who speaks to us from heaven. When God spoke from Mount Sinai, his voice shook the earth, but now he makes another promise. And he says, and, and there's a quote here, once again, I will shake not only the earth, but the heavens also. And so we, we find this, um, this part of Hebrews 12 is a call for, for the Hebrews, the Israelites, to listen to God, uh, which I think is a, is a lovely connection for us back to Job, because ultimately we know, and some of you have read ahead and you know this, that Job has been waiting and longing for the Lord to speak. And he's about to speak. Chapter 38 to 42 is, is this conversation finally between the Lord um, and Job. But just as in Hebrews 12, the, the, the invitation or the challenge to the Hebrew people is, listen, God wants to speak to you and he will speak to you. Um, so we must prepare ourselves for what God has to say. And, and that, like I say, that's where we will finish off um, next week. Just another interesting thing, if you have been reading through Job, just to take note of, is um, that scholars point out that uh, in the beginning of Job, if you read it in the, in the Hebrew language, that the, the phrase used for God, um, I think it's definitely chapter one, is the phrase Yahweh, um, which speaks about um, God in, in God's covenant uh, love and relationship for the, the, the Israelites. And then um, there's a subtle change that takes place. As Job and his three friends are speaking, the word that they use for God changes to El Shaddai. So it is also God Almighty, but there, there is a slight difference in it. Um, and some of the scholars are wondering if it's not used intentionally because like I say, the, the, the phrase Yahweh speaks about a covenant God. So although sometimes God seems distant um, and we revere God and fear God, there is this covenant relationship, covenant love between God and his people. Whereas the phrase El Shaddai, even though it is a beautiful phrase, it, it seems to indicate a little bit more of a distance. I don't know if I'm expressing myself uh, so well in this, but but certainly it's used, and we think deliberately from Job's speeches and his conversations with his friends. And maybe there's this subtle underlying thing in these speeches that they're speaking about God, they they questioning God, but in their minds, God still seems a bit removed, doesn't seem as personal to them as he once was. And then the scholars tell us that from chapter 38 to 42, which we will come to next week and in our sermon on Sunday, he changes back again to use the phrase Yahweh when he speaks of the Lord. And perhaps that's just a very neat way of wrapping up this whole, um, this whole conversation that takes place, is, is that God is a covenant God. God is a God of love. God hasn't forgotten about us. Although at times it may feel like um, he has abandoned us or he is deaf to our cries. And, and where we will end off today is that we hold on to the promise that Jesus is the mediator between us and God. So God, I mean, I use the verse now because it's appropriate, but we know this, that God so loved the world that he gave us his son, that whoever believes in him 
will not perish but have everlasting life or eternal life. And I, I know we know that verse off by heart, but if you listen to it again with the connection with Job and even with the connection of how sometimes we feel, it is a verse of promise. For God so loved us in the sense of being a covenant God that he hasn't left us, that he sends his son as the mediator, the one who will come and, and who will represent God to us. And that as we believe in him, as we hold on to his promises, we will have a life that is everlasting, a life that is um, abundant, that is dynamic, a life that um, continues beyond just this earthly existence. And, and that is the hope and the promise that we have, not just from the New Testament, but also comes to us in, in the book of Job. So friends, those are my ramblings for today. I pray God would bless you. And as you perhaps also want to do a bit of reading around the concept of mediator, uh, I very much encourage you to do so. Just an announcement before we finish for today, um, just to say that if you are in the Fishhook area on Sunday evening, at 6 p.m., um, please come along and join us. We we have um, a, we're going to have a lovely time of music and ministry from a, a group of ladies. They call themselves Ruth Two. Uh, that's the Ruth from the Bible and the number two. They will explain how they got to their name on Sunday evening. But they're coming along to just lead us in a time of ministry and music. Just probably for about an hour in our in our um, evening service time slot. And um, what is very beautiful about their particular theme for this Sunday, and, and we've spoken with them uh, around preparing this, is they're going to be using the theme of praising God through the storm. It's called praising through the storm. And that's the whole idea of the music that they've written and also some of the well-known worship songs, is that although we don't feel like that, that when we go through times of suffering like Job or we go through difficult times, is it seems counterintuitive for us to praise God, to trust God when things don't look like they're going so well. And um, I'm just going to invite you to, to, to come along. Uh, there's no cost at all. Just just come and be part of it. If you know somebody who may, may want to come along with you, please, by all means, invite them. Um, it's not just for the Methodist folk. It's for anybody and certainly for people who may need that encouragement. Um, I think we all need hope and encouragement at this time. But just come along and, and let's just see how God ministers to us all. So friends, may God bless you. God keep you. May he make his face shine upon you. And may you have a blessed day and a week further. Amen.